You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Oh, Heavenly Father, as we prayed just a moment ago in the service, and as we'll pray again at 11 o'clock, we pray that you would stir up your power and with great might come among us. And we give you great thanks and praise that you come with both might and mercy. Pray at this time that as we're gathered and as we are reflecting together that um, ultimately, necessarily, at the end of the day, that the one that we would hear from is you. And all this I ask and all this I offer at this time in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I'll do uh, just a, a brief sort of um, recap of this last week. As I've mentioned uh, every time, these classes are um, independent of one another, so it's not as if you missed last week, you somehow lost the thread, so that's not the case. But I do like um, every Sunday to have the opportunity to say what I hoped to say and tried to say last week and have an opportunity to um, uh, take, another, take another crack at it. But last week, we actually read through um, Luke uh, chapter 3, at least uh, the first half of Luke chapter 3, and uh, the portion of that was our gospel reading this morning, John the Baptist, you brood uh, of vipers, uh, of course. And one of the things that we talked about is that John uh, the Baptist is uh, one of the central figures of this liturgical season of Advent. Uh, He is uh, one that we very much uh, associate with the season. Um, John, in many ways, um, seemingly wonderfully out of step, um, wonderfully out of step, Um, with the world around him. And yet, in the midst of that, something about his message so true, so clear, so um, compelling that people found themselves, and and ultimately by the work of God's Spirit, people found themselves drawn um, out into the wilderness. And rather than uh, we we hear Luke describing all of the august figures uh, of that time, and the word didn't come to them. Um, the word came to John, and the word came to John in the wilderness, and we reflected a little bit about how the wilderness biblically uh, is a place of formation. Uh, the wilderness biblically is a, is a place of fashioning. The wilderness biblically, when you think about it, it's a place of dependence. Um, and, and honestly, as much as we wrestle with it as, as individuals, it's, it's actually in our dependence that we're at our strongest. Um, when we are living in a way that is dependent upon God and drawing from, from his strength and his reserves, those are actually the times um, that, we're, that we're strongest, even though those are often the times that we avoid. Um, but, but God wonderfully, graciously shaping, fashioning us in the wilderness and uh, talked a little bit about how um, we all know and experience wilderness. We don't have to go away. Um, we can be right where we are and experience that in our own minds, in our own spirits, uh, in our own souls. That that sense of wilderness, that sense of need, that sense of deprivation, that that sense of needing and longing, uh, which is the Advent longing, uh, and which is the Christian longing, which is the eschatological longing. We we need God to step into our lives, and we need God to step into our spirits, um, just like in the beginning in. Genesis, we need God to bring order um, out of the chaos. Um, We need God to bring order out of the chaos. And then um, I'll say we talked about repentance, uh, which honestly, that's a word, unfortunately, that's been 
um, in some ways uh, distorted and robbed and misapplied. Uh, when you think of the word repent, what kind of figure do you think sharing that word? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe y'all are better people than I am. I just think about, you know, televangelists or something like that. You know, you just think about it, you know, very much a word. Yes, sir. Ab ab abso absolutely, and one of the things when we talk about repent, we one of the things we talked about last week is repent is a wonderful gift, um, and again, a word which has been robbed. Because think about a life when you're unable to make any turns. Uh, think about a life when you're unable to uh, ever. Think about a life in relationship where you're never able to say you're sorry um, or, or desire to make a, a turn or or a change. I mean that that sounds terrifying. Um, to not have that, to not have that opportunity. But also, we talked about how repent uh, means to change one's mind uh, and to alter one's understanding, and, and and to change our mind and alter understanding about the nature and the character of God, uh, and our own nature and character. So it's uh, it's it's very much it's very much a change of mind because ultimately the one who brings about repentance is who. And you're welcome to disagree with me, but but God is the one that brings about repentance. Um, uh, I, I don't know that it's given to the human condition to come to our senses. Um, it's it's God, the one um, who ultimately moves us to repentance. And we talked about um, how God and His love and His grace unsettles us, um, unsettles us not um, not to make us insecure, but to make us more secure, uh, unsettling us to draw us out of our idols, um, to draw us out of false promises, to draw us to something which is secure um, and, and lasting. And so, uh, and the final word I'll say about that last week is this. Um, the, the, one of the things we hear is the people went out in the wilderness. Um, as they went out in, in the wilderness, we, we hear um, that they had a, um, they, they had a longing uh, and they had um, a hopefulness. And and the word which, we, which is used, which is translated, means to consider or ponder um, thoughtfully. Uh, to consider or to ponder thoughtfully. They were, they were graciously unsettled by God, and it, and it led them to ponder. It led them to reflect. It led them to a receptiveness to hear the message. And so this Sunday, um, today, um, in, in, in sort of slightly expressed fashion, um, we're going to take uh, a little... A little shift. We've been looking, of course, a lot of the traditional um, Advent uh, folks, uh, Isaiah and and John the Baptist, um, for instance. But today we're going to hear primarily from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, and this Sunday, in some liturgical traditions, is is called um, Gaudaute Sunday. Um, and if none of you know that. Good for you. Uh, that is that is absolutely non-essential information. Um, Gaudaute Sunday, and of course we all know that in Latin Gaudaute means rejoice. Um, and actually, some who grew up in some Episcopal and Anglican churches, certainly in the Catholic Church and, and Lutheran churches, um, Gaudaute Sunday, um, in some ways is the the Advent season. Again, it's often the message is startling, um, and it can be. Uh, it can be stark, uh, and in some ways, that third Sunday of Advent is is, is a reprieve, um, if you will. Um, it's it's a joyful note because what we noted at the outset, when we talk about the fact that Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead, 
and we read from Luke's gospel, what, what we were reminded of is that's actually good news for you and me. Rather than terrifying news, that's, that's good news. And in fact, Jesus encourages us to straighten up and to lift up our heads uh, when he returns. Why? Because we're clothed and we're fashioned and we're received into his kingdom, not on our merits, but his. Because the, you know that wonderful imagery of the book of Revelation, that we, those who are washed in the blood of the lamb and whose robes are made white. It's a rather startling, it's a rather startling image. Um, but this coming again is actually um, good and gracious. And we reflected on as well the reality that um, for Jesus to come again to judge the living and the dead, one that just shows that God fulfills his promises. Uh, and God is a God who is certainly worthy um, of our worship and our praise. But the wonderful news about God coming again to be the ultimate and final judge is that takes you and I out of the judgment seat, um, which should give us um, great rejoicing and thanksgiving, uh, that it's not given um, to you and to me to be the final judge and the final arbiter. Um, th again, thanks be to God. But um, uh, Gaudaute Sunday, it's a break, it's an encouragement as we reflect on the nearness uh, of the Lord's coming uh, and uh, again, that, that word which is given is, is rejoice. Rejoice, and there's actually, there's actually a, a hymn. Rejoice, rejoice, Christ is born of the Virgin Mary. Rejoice, rejoice, Christ is born of the Virgin Mary. The time of grace has come, which we have waited for. Let us devotedly render him joyful songs. And the theme continues. Rejoice, rejoice, Christ is born of the Virgin Mary. Rejoice, rejoice, Christ is born of the Virgin Mary. God has become man, and nature is astounded. The world has been renewed by the reigning of Christ. And it goes on, the closed gate of Ezekiel has been crossed. From there, the light has risen. Salvation has come in. Therefore, our congregation praise him in brightness. Bless the Lord. Greeting um, to our King. It's a, word of, it's a word of joy. It's a word uh, of celebration, which is given um, to you and to me um, in this season. Uh, again, uh, a wonderful word. And, and I'm going to uh, invite you as we reflect on Philippians, uh, and I'm going to uh, have a couple of themes, Advent themes, that I hope for us to look at in Paul's letter to the Philippians. But let me just throw this out, and you're welcome to answer. And if you don't, um, I'll just wait awkwardly for a second, um, and, then I'll, and then I'll press on. But as, as, you, as you think about um, Paul's letter to the Philippians, and this isn't, um, you're not being graded um, on, your, on your responses. Uh, what, what, what comes to mind as you think about Paul and his letter to the Philippians? Exactly. Uh, that's exactly, uh, that's, that's exact, that's, that's exactly um, what I thought. And I, I, I talked about Philippians at nine. I'm going to talk again um, at, at, at 11. Uh, and I, I expect it'll go just this well. Um, uh, but, you know, one of the things that Paul is doing as he, as he writes to the church in, in Philippi, and this is, this is um, incredibly relative to you and to me. It's incredibly relative um, to the church. And it's also incredibly relative, again, as we've thought about what are some of the themes biblically and theologically that are being held out to us um, during the season. But, but part of it is living in some ways um, as, as, a, as a living and vibrant community, um, but of another kingdom than the one we're surrounded by. 
some have used the terminology resident aliens, um, that in some ways we, we, we live in this world uh, as, as resident aliens. We're, we're very much um, in the world, but we're not completely of the world. We, we have a greater um, allegiance beyond this world. Uh, we, have a, we, have a, we have a greater, we have a greater allegiance um, uh, than uh, the, the rulers of this world. I'm, I'm laughing, uh, Paul and I were out last night. We were, um, uh, we were out, uh, just the, the, the two of us, and uh, we got a, got a pizza, and we were sitting up, and at the restaurant they had um, the old um, Rudolph. Do you remember the old, I, I, guess, I guess we could call it am- animated, but it was the more rudimentary um, animation, and uh, anyway, that was on, and uh, there were some girls watching it, and the guy came in and said, can't we put the Heisman presentation on? I just <laughs> want to think about allegiance, um, you know, allegiance, and you might guess which kingdom. Uh, of which he was a part, uh, and he wanted to hear, hear and see um, what, what, was, what was going to happen. But you know, we, we talk about it, I mean, one of the things, again, we're, we're and here's the, here's the good and gracious news uh, of, uh, of our faith. We do have a security in Jesus which enables us to engage. We do have a security, we're, we're, we engage from a place of security, regardless of the reception that we receive uh, from the world around us. And again, we, we engage, um, hopefully, prayerfully, not in any um, condescending way, but from a place of grace and from a place of security. And so when Paul is writing to the Philippians, uh, Philippi was a Roman colony. And as you might imagine, um, being a Roman colony, uh, they, they really made a big deal about that. And if you remember the world of Jesus's day in biblical times, um, Caesar, um, Caesar was worshipped. Um, Caesar often presented himself as, as a god, uh, as one as one who should be as one who should be worshipped, um, and that's why they tried to. If you remember when they tried to trick Jesus uh, about the tax, and and they gave him and they gave him the coin, uh, and Jesus, you know, wonderfully says, "Well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, uh, and give to God what is God." They tried to catch Jesus uh, in a moment of blasphemy, but um, as we've encountered, Jesus was pretty smart, um, and he uh, was not actually taken in by that one. But Paul's talking to a people, and he's encouraging them, and he's reminding them where their ultimate home is. Uh, they're very much in the world, but their ultimate home, their ultimate allegiance um, is, is, is beyond the world. And Paul talks about, he's um, in prison, and he talks about, you know, do you remember this? He says, you know, if, if, uh, if, I, if, if I die, in some ways, that's kind of better. Um, and he's not being morbid. He's like, I, I get to go to be with Jesus. So if I die, that's actually um, the... Paul says, basically, knowing my life, that'd be a lot easier. Um, that'd be a lot easier if I could just go on to glory um, right now. But, but it seems to be that God has me around um, and has me in the body um, a little longer. And, and uh, should God have me in the body and have me around a little longer? Well, thanks be to God. Um, praise be to God. It's, it's that type of security. It's that type of peace that he's encouraging um, the people of Philippi um, to live in, that, that sense of peace, that sense of security, that sense um, of uh, assurance. And he, and he says this, this is in the first chapter, and one of the things, of course, he writes is, um, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, um, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this. Uh, and this is, again, this is that... Uh, uh, a peace in the moment, but also a, a looking forward with hopefulness. 
as Christians, we're able to be people who look forward hopefully. And as we look forward hopefully, one of the things that Paul is clear about, Jesus is clear about, the Bible is clear about, looking forward hopefully doesn't um, skip over the reality that we'll, we'll have challenges ahead of us uh, and that there's hardship and suffering and trials and that's, you know, that, that's very much a part of that's very much a part of this life. The scriptures are wonderfully graciously honest uh, about all of that. They, they make uh, no bones about that. And, and yet the ultimate reality is one of hope because Paul writes this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to the completion uh, at the day of Jesus Christ. Um, and so I'll, so I'll ask the question, um, who will bring about that good work? Jesus, ex- ex- exactly. As I say, that's always typically a pretty good answer. Um, you could say God if you want to be more generic, or Jesus. But I mean, it, but again, uh, I, um, I'm sure you never fall into the trap of thinking that it's all dependent upon you, um, that it's going to fall apart uh, if you don't hold it all together. Um, you know, yeah, just just a little bit harder. Um, try just a little bit harder. Swirl a little faster, um, and, and you can hold it all together. But this is that wonderful word, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So what Paul is saying is growth is to be expected uh, and, and change um, is to be expected. And, and, and yet, wonderfully, God is the one who will bring it about you in yours and my life uh, because we are his, because we are part uh, of his kingdom. He's the one, and it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul's very much, he's very much in the moment, but he's looking beyond the moment. Uh, and as he looks beyond the moment, the, the, the vision that he has is one of hopefulness. The vision that he has is one um, of, of assurance. Uh, and he goes on, and this is at the end, uh, as he uh, speaks to them, uh, and he encourages them to stand firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear um, that I still have. Um, so he, he speaks of this and yet he speaks of this um, with a sense of, of joy. And he speaks with this with a sense uh, of certainty. And then chapter 2 of Philippians, chapter 2, does anyone, um, anyone remember, because y'all are um, full of responses today, um, the, 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 the hymn, Paul breaks into this wonderful um, hymn of praise uh, in, in the second chapter, and he, and he begins by talking about it, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. And it's important that Paul is saying this because in chapter 4, we're going to get to the reality that um, there is um, shocker. When there's people, there's some conflict um, to, be, to be resolved there. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others 
more significant um, than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. May I say, that's one of the more beautiful and challenging verses in the Bible. Um, and, and humility, um, count others, um, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant um, than, than yourselves. Um, that's, that's radical. Um, that's, that's radical, um, radical stuff. Um, that, that's a message that, that, that flies in the face of humanity um, right there. And as cliched as it might sound, um, that, that's also the means of freedom. Uh, and that's also the path uh, of, of freedom. Uh, and, but as, as Paul says this, he's not talking about um, necessarily thinking less of ourselves uh, or, or being sort of a doormat or unable to speak to things which are untrue or unjust or to speak for ourselves. It's not, he's, he's, not, he's not saying that, but what he's calling us to is, is a greater perspective. There is a, a minister in the church back in the day, his name was Chad of Litchfield. Um, and, and Chad of Litchfield lived in England in the seventh century. Uh, and uh, one of the things about Chad had started off um, started off as a, as a monk and had enjoyed monastic life, but was um, so effective and faithful in his service that he was made a bishop. Um, and, you know, that's one of those things we don't wish on anyone. Um, and Chad was made a, a bishop. But in that time, one of the things going on in Christianity um, was um, a dispute over um, when Easter was and how to set the calendar and, and, and things of that sort. You had sort of, you know, sort of different branches that, that, that viewed it differently. And the Pope sent one of his, his name, not St. Augustine, but Augustine, um, sent, was sent to England to go ahead and sort of clean things up, um, you know, shore things up out there um, in the boondocks uh, in the hinterlands. And so when he arrived, uh, he told Chad that he had been ordained irregularly um, and he would have to resign his position. Uh, and let me ask you, and you don't have to respond, if someone shows up, some outsider, uh, and tells you that you'd been ordained irregularly um, and you need to resign your position, what would be your response? Um, not pretty. Yeah, not pretty. Um, get lost. Um, you know, we could go back to preschool. You're not the boss of me. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, what we say to our spouses. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we could, you know, you figured immediately um, the response would be, um, and I, listen, you could argue whether Chad did the right thing or the wrong thing. This is awesome. Uh, Chad's response, he said, you know what? I never thought I was worthy of it in the per first place. Here, you can have it. Uh, it's like, I didn't want it. Uh, I never considered myself worth And it wasn't that he had terrible self-esteem. Uh, it, it was, he was, he was free. Uh, he was a, he was a Christian. Uh, he was a free man. He said, you know what? You want it, you can have it. Um, I, I didn't ask for it in the first place. Now, um, to Augustine's credit, um, he said, we could use a few men like you. Um, and sort of as a, as a saving face, said, oh, well, what we're going to do is we're going to reordain you and reassign you um, over here. So we get to save face, but, but still. But again, uh, that's, that's the type of uh, radical uh, freedom uh, that, that Paul is, is talking about here, where you're, well, what Jesus said, um, lay up yourself treasure in heaven, uh, where moth and rust can't destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal, because where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Uh, this is, uh, Chad's treasure was elsewhere. Um, his treasure was ultimately in his 
uh, and his worth and his definition in God's eyes rather than his worth and his definition in the eyes of the world around him. And, I'll, uh, and let me say to you, uh, I am not immune. Um, we're often interested in um, our worth and our measurement in the eyes of any number of people around us. Uh, and to some degree, we all, <laughs> we all have that person, don't we? Whether it be a, a person that sort of is currently in our life, you know, oftentimes, sadly, it's a person in our past, and sometimes that person's dead. Um, I've, I've, you know, we, we've all sort of experienced, you're, you're trying to please a person, you're trying to measure up um, to a person, you're, you're trying to be sort of good enough and, and acceptable enough. Um, and, and let me ask you, how does that leave you feeling? Exhausted, small. Um, insecure um, because yeah you, you, you never know um, uh, you, you, you never know uh, it, it's um, uh, it's like you know you're only as good as your last at bad um, you know you're always you're always hoping but Chad had a phenomenal uh, phenomenal freedom that Paul was inviting us to because Paul goes on and he says this have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And as Paul says, even, even death on a cross, not only uh, because the cross, of course, would have been um, torturous uh, and, and horrific, but the cross is very much a sign of shame um, as well. So it's sort of like, you know, um, wound upon wound, hurt upon hurt, weight uh, upon weight. But consider Jesus, Paul says, who humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then, and it's not insignificant that right after that, so Paul bursts into this song of praise. Uh, consider, consider Jesus, um, greatest of all. And again, this is part of, again, that season, the sense of hopeful anticipation uh, and longing um, and looking um, for Jesus to come. And of course, uh, even now as, as we long for him again and again to come into our hearts and to come into different situations in our lives. I mean, there's that ultimate first coming, but as life goes on, we long for him to come in again and again and again um, into different situations and the different places um, of our lives. And he, he, Paul sings this hymn uh, of praise, the nature and the character of our God. And if he would do this for us, what does that say about his love for us? If he would humble himself in this way, if he would sacrifice himself in, his, in this way, what does that say to you and to me about the depth of his love for you and for me? Uh, and his longing for you and for me to be his. His longing um, that we might know the, the security of finding our, our worth and our merit in his assessment of us rather than the world's. And that's a, that's a, that's a deep need which we all share. Uh, I believe that's a deep need we all share in this room. The longing for that type of love and that type of security and that type of, of, of knowledge. And how, how do we know? What, what Paul says here, if, if he would go through this, the way that he loves us is, is beyond even our ability to imagine. We, we can't fully encapsulate it. And interestingly, right after that, Paul says, therefore, 
therefore. So it's in, in, in light of this, um, therefore, um, here is the opportunity for you and for me. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, um, work out your salvation with fear um, and trembling. And when he says work it out, he's obviously he's not talking about sort of earning. Um, he's not talking about earning our salvation because um, that would just sort of completely go contrary to the rest of his preaching and teaching and proclamation and ministry and to his own personal experience as well, for that matter. What, what he means by work out your salvation with fear and trembling is he's talking about reflect on this and, and allow this to work, um, allow this to work and to flow through your life. Uh, allow this phenomenal news of God's love to begin to order um, your life and, and, and work itself out in your life by way of freedom, by way of security that we might operate again from a place of strength that's not ours, but a strength of, of, of being beloved, uh, of being people who are being people who are loved by God. We, we operate out of, out of that strength, which is infinitely better than any strength um, that you and I, that you and I can muster. Um, infinitely, infinitely better um, than the strength that you and I um, can muster. And he, and he says this, do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, uh, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain um, or labor in vain. That wonderful word that, that we might um, that we might shine as lights in the world, holding fast um, to the word of life. Shine as lights of the world that we might hold fast to the word of life. And of course, the amazing message is um, that the word of life, Jesus, comes into the world to hold fast to you and me. Uh, and lastly, I'll say this. Um, if you remember wonderfully, graciously, um, in John's gospel, um, in, tr in chapter 13, Jesus says, you know, you're going to forsake me. You're going to betray me. You're all going to scatter. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to suffer. Um, and you're going to deny me. Uh, and then, um, do y'all remember, it's often read um, uh, at, at the burial office. What's the first verse of chapter 14? Let not your hearts be troubled. <laughs> it's almost as Jesus is joking. Hey, all this is going to happen. Let not your hearts be troubled. Um, believe in God, believe also um, in, in, in me is, is, is what he says. But he goes on and Jesus says this. He says, you know what? I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Uh, I'm not going to leave you. I will send you another counselor. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit um, to be with you. And the word um, paraclete, parakletos, is, is translated with a number of words, which tells us there's a depth and a breadth to this word, which is unable to be encapsulated in, in one word. And it's sometimes translated as counselor, a comforter, helper, um, strength, advocate. Uh, there's, there's myriad translations which shows the, the, the myriad ways in which God works on our behalf. But Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Um, I will send you another counselor, the Holy Spirit, to be with you, to lead you and to guide you into all truth. Peace I leave with you, my own peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled um, and do not um, be afraid. Um, so as we reflect um, today, hearing some of these things, this, that we're people who live um, in hopeful expectation, that, we, that our hopeful expectation comes from the nature and the character of God who loves and seeks us. 
And you and I have that opportunity and that assurance that he's not going to leave us. And you and I have the opportunity um, to find our, our worth and our merit and our meaning in, in that type of love and that type of acceptance, which is based on the character of the giver rather than the character of the recipient. And when that begins to work um, in our lives and to be worked out um, in our lives, then um, that's a winsome witness uh, that shines like light in the world um, as we hold fast to that word of life. And as we hear that this day, uh, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you do indeed um, call us to be citizens of your kingdom uh, and you graciously um, seek us humbly uh, with both might uh, and with mercy and that through what you have done for us in Jesus, in your cross, in your resurrection, and the promising of your spirit, uh, fill us, most gracious God, uh, with that strength, with that security, with that identity which comes from you that we might indeed um, shine uh, like stars in the universe, shine like a light in the world. <laughs> We're not producers of the light, uh, but refractors of it, uh, that your light might go forth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.